Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. And it integrates seamlessly with AWS so you can start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other favorite AWS services in minutes. Visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. Try it yourself by starting a free 14-day trial today. Listeners of the Cloudcast will also receive a free Datadog t-shirt. So go to datadog.com slash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. We are coming up on the end of May, moving into almost into June. The uh, springtime is getting close to coming to an end. I guess we had a couple more weeks of spring left, and we'll be getting into summer here sooner than later. So things will be warming up. Hopefully, everybody's doing okay. Everybody's staying safe, and uh, wherever you are, hopefully you are uh, safe, and uh, the ones around you are safe as well. So our uh, we're going to jump into Cloud News of the Week. Got a couple of interesting stories this week, uh, you know, a little bit of variety, which is always nice. Um, first story is Atlassian acquired a company called Help, uh, H-A-L-P, a company that was just kind of coming out of uh, out of stealth and uh, was just starting to get some recognition. Help focuses on um, doing help desk type of integrations uh, with Slack. So uh, help desk, call center types of integrations. Uh, Lassie and obviously trying to uh, boost their collaboration story around what they can do to integrate with Slack and help developers and uh, other people that uh, need questions answered. So uh, interesting acquisition there by Atlassian. Second one was ThoughtWorks, a company who is very well known for uh, doing a lot of cloud native integration, a lot of application modernization, and always sort of being a thought leader, if you will, uh, in you know new application development styles and trends. They just released their Radar update, which is a kind of a quarterly uh, or maybe every six month sort of newsletter they put out that is you know kind of the big trends that they're seeing. Um, and obviously they are influenced heavily by the work they do with their own clients and customers. So uh, always a good read about what they see as kind of trends that are happening, technology that are starting to mature and so forth. So uh, we will put that in the show notes. And then finally, Couchbase just raised $105 million in a round G. G is in uh, golf. Um, you know, surprisingly, Couchbase is one of the few database technologies or database companies that has not been on the Cloudcast. So we're always interested in database technologies. They uh, always do very, very well with our listeners. I know that you're interested in them, trying to understand the differences between them. So if anybody knows anyone from Couchbase or if Couchbase would like to come on, we'd love to have you on, learn about what's driving this new round of VC uh, investment, $105 million for Couchbase. So congratulations to them. That's going to wrap up our cloud news of the week. Again, hope everybody is doing well. We are going to kind of dive a little bit into something called continuous reliability, uh, kind of a new concept. Um, you know, obviously, we all want to make sure our applications are reliable, but uh, designing them can be a little challenging. And then obviously, trying to figure out how to make sure our teams are prepared for continuous reliability is always interesting. So we will get to that right after the break. Hey, DevOps and SRE folks, do you feel like you may be spending too much on log management and observability? Maybe you're struggling to scale your Elk stack or you feel like you're spending too much because you are indexing logs and metrics that you just don't need. Check out logs.io, that's L-O-G-Z.io, a fully managed service and unified platform based on the leading open source solutions for observability. Log management and cloud SIEM based on Elk and infrastructure monitoring based on Grafana, a cost-effective open source alternative at the scale you need. 
To give it a try for yourself, sign up for a 14-day free trial today at logs.io, that's L-O-G-Z slash cloudcast, and for your chance to receive a free logs.io t-shirt. That's logs.io slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you transitioning your team to work from home? Are you managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs? Well, meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, you can easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, automate onboarding and offboarding, and move people within roles. You can even grant temporary access that automatically expires to on-call teams. Your admins will get full auditability into anything anybody does, when they connect, what queries they run, and what commands are typed. This means full visibility into everything. For SSH, RDP, and Kubernetes, this means video replays. For databases, it's a single unified query log across all database management systems. StrongDM is used by companies like Hearst, Peloton, Betterment, Greenhouse, and SoFi to manage access. It's more control and less hassle. That's StrongDM. Manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial today at strongdm.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. You know, and, and folks... You know, as we've covered a lot of times in this show, you know, we're seeing more and more companies that are you know, building distributed applications and, and more importantly, their business is saying, hey, the things we need from our software need to be more agile. They need to be able to be updated more frequently. Uh, we're going to interact with, you know, not only applications that we own, but things off the platform. And so things ultimately are becoming more and more complicated. And, you know, one of the challenges is while we're solving business problems and the applications become more distributed or more complicated, nobody has any tolerance for applications being down or things being slow. So we thought it was really important to make sure we kind of double back on that topic and really dive into, uh, you know, how do we make sure that we're, we're making things continuously reliable and make sure that we're both agile for the business, but also available for the business. So very excited to have with us today, Tal Weiss, who is co-founder and CTO of OverOps. Tal, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Good to be with you. Yeah. Um, hope you're doing well at this time. I know lots of things are, are crazy in this world. Um, for folks that uh, may not know OverOps, uh, you've been an entrepreneur for a while. You've done a lot of sort of interesting things in, in your career, but give us a little bit of your background and and then ultimately what you know got you excited about this space and, and wanting to, to found the company. Sounds good. So, uh I think I kind of started my career back in the day, cutting my teeth. This was back home uh, in Israel and Tel Aviv um, in military intelligence and then uh, in aerospace when I spent close to a decade and had the chance to work on some pretty interesting systems and things that were pretty cutting edge, you know, all the way from building drone applications to satellite tracking control arrays. And um, really learned my craft and, and spend a good time there learning from a lot of smart people. I was very lucky to have the opportunity to kind of work alongside and just kind of learn from. And from that point on, I found the company that leveraged a lot of information, I'm sorry, a lot of knowledge and the insights we gleaned during those days. And we helped designers and engineers and people building infrastructure projects, which is, again, a very relative topic these days, uh, edit, share, and collaborate over 2D and 3D content from anywhere in the world. So if you're a um, civil engineer working on an oil pipe, someone in Alaska, and you make uh, a change to the model in 2D or 3D, the 
team in the back office of Chicago, we were able to see that in um, real time. And we built that, and that was a very complex, uh, very early to the cloud application. And we sold the company, and it became, uh, we sold it to Autodesk, the people who make AutoCAD, which is a pretty big yeah. tool in this industry. And uh, that technology became uh, AutoCAD Web and Mobile, kind of the next generation for what is a $1.5 billion flagship product line. And it was actually through the trials and tribulations and the pain that we had felt having to essentially scale this massive service in the cloud. On one hand, you know, serving millions of professional designers and engineers. And on the other, trying to always be innovative and add new features and capabilities that we came across the pain points and the challenges that kind of led to the idea that would become overops. You know, this idea of how can we autonomously verify and validate our software so our users are not the ones uh, that are required to do so. And how can we apply cloud compute power, things like machine learning, to help us do this? Because other no, if we can't do that, then it's always going to be manual and painful. And as you said, nobody nowadays has the tolerance and users are not willing to um, essentially support and stand for any application that has downtime or slowdown. So that was kind of the idea. And we built a pretty cool technology, I hope, uh, to help folks with that. Yeah, and I want to I want to dive into the things that you you guys are building at, at OverOps. Um, you know, I mentioned the term uh, continuous reliability. I, I grabbed that not only off your website, but just the the concept was sort of interesting to me. But before we dig into that, I, I want to kind of talk about this transition we've seen. Right, you you talked about having worked on some complex systems back in the day. Um, obviously, mission critical, but but sort of they were built um, as you know, these big events, they were kind of waterfall, you know, deployment was sort of a big bang type of theory. You know, we're now seeing that broken up into chunks and, and that's great for being agile, but sometimes it makes it difficult to know, will it all work? Um, will it work in production or it got out into production, but, you know, was it optimized? Like what sort of problems do you see this new approach that we have, which is more flexible, more agile, create uh, downstream in terms of, you know, production challenges? Yeah. Well, if you look at traditional systems, you know, and we kind of use the word monolith, right? The word monolith means one big thing, right? One big component. And in this new world that we're moving towards where we have, where we want to rapidly innovate, we want to push things out into the market much faster. Everything gets componentized, gets broken down. You know, we had monoliths, then we had service oriented architecture. So, right. You know, we have microservices, you know, and there's I've even heard like nanoservices, right? So everything's being built into much smaller and smaller components. It's a supply chain of sorts. Again, another term that's very relevant to these days where every, you know, when you uh, look at something even like a car, right? It's not made of this one big thing that drops, you know. It's, it's essentially, it's a component of thousands of different parts made by different companies and they all have to work together um, super well. And the challenge becomes, you know, when you have all these moving pieces and everything keeps changing and there's no longer this, we're all going to, you know, January 15th is when we drop the annual release. So all these teams, all these groups 
are continuously pushing out new releases, new versions, uh, new artifacts because they want to keep you know, innovation and they want to get this stuff out. This creates a huge challenge for companies to make sure that, you know, you're continuously delivering software and you're continuously integrating software and you're investing all this money, your effort, resource and time creating these sophisticated pipelines. But how do you ensure that at the end of the day, all those good intentions don't lead to a bad product into an unreliable experience? And that is a big challenge that a lot of companies, again, going especially to the time that we live in these days, you know, with things are volatile, you know, markets are changing, environment is changing. How do we make sure that any vulnerabilities, any weaknesses, any points of um, weakness in the software don't end up essentially being found by users? It's a big challenge for the industry, and it's part of the growth it must undergo to kind of get to that next level. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. You guys, OverOps uses a term, and I mentioned it before, continuous reliability. I want you to talk a little bit about that because you know, sometimes there's these there's these terms in our industry that you kind of have to explain a little bit because, you know, for the last few years, we've heard people say, well, you know, you're building on the cloud. The cloud's not reliable infrastructure anymore. You have to kind of think about it differently. How, how do you think about this concept of, of continuous reliability? What does it mean in terms of, uh, you know, the way that you think about it, but also kind of what the, te- you know, the, the overops technology provides? For sure. So, when you look at the industry, right, all ideas, you know, all these novel concepts, they begin, you know, like everything on the technology adoption lifecycle. Initially, they're, they're the purview of, you know, the smart whiz kids at all the right conferences, all the right meetups. And then over time, you know, the industry starts adopting them and incumbents go in. And you saw that with the cloud. Ten years ago was this essentially, you know, this abstract concept of the cloud. What are you talking about? Now it's the infrastructure that powers our lives, right? It's how we can, how we do more, how we do mobile banking, how we consume content, how we do anything to continue. When we talk about continuous reliability, when we look at the way we deploy, we deliver software. Now, five years ago, this whole notion of, you know, CICD was again, this very novel thing, right? People, the way that we used to deliver and ship software to our users was, we would build this, you know, we would build these artifacts and then every company would have kind of its hodgepodge, its own kind of, you know, DIY way of getting that to users. And, you know, Amazon pioneer, you know, they were big pioneers and essentially, you know, being these automated pipelines that enable people to continuously deliver and continuously integrate software. And that became, you know, um, really something that today is almost table stakes within the industry. The next evolution for that from CI to CD is to go to CR, which means, yeah, it's great that you can automatically push code out, you know, but can you also automate not just the process of putting it out, but also automate the process of knowing whether or not the thing you've put out there is actually working well. And that is at the core of continuous reliability because it used to be when you ship something you know, once every three months, once every six months, you know, you would ship it, you know, brace for impact and put a patch in like, you know, two weeks later. We've all known this, like when you, even in the gaming industry, which is still kind of mo- very monolithic, they put a game out and then all the gamers wait for the first patch to come out, right? We all know this, uh, or at least those of us, you know, who 
ever played one of those things before. Right. But with CIC, you can't do that because you're always pushing code out, right? You can be pushing patches and fixes, and essentially you can't be inflicting pain on your users on a daily or on a weekly basis. There needs to be a technology which automatically and autonomously validates that, hey, this thing that you've put out is good or is bad. And if it's bad, they can automatically take action. It's the natural progression um, of this whole move to CICD and to automation. And that is really the service that auto, that, sorry, that the OverOps provides is the ability to enable our users to identify and to prevent critical issues from impacting their users whenever they deliver software. The ability for us to analyze the code as it's executing, and I'm not going to go into it like, you know, just right now, unless you kind of want me to double click, but it's the ability to look at the code as it's executing and say, okay, this is new code. How's it doing? Is it working well? Has it introduced any defects? If so, are they severe? Are they not severe? If they are, how do we get the right information to the right person that wrote that code so they can address that? And in the meanwhile, prevent this code from further cascading through the pipeline and impacting more and more users. So it's that element of automation and, pro- and that high-level proactiveness that we look to enable our users to have. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and is this something that people would expect to uh, you know, be using in production? Um, or is this something that becomes part of your sort of software pipeline as you're, as you're building tests, you're looking at integration between them? Or is it, is it kind of in both places, right? It's, it's before the code gets deployed, the application gets deployed, and then once the application gets deployed. Well, the way that we look at CI, CD, right? CI and CD and CR are not things that you only do in this or only do in texting or only during production. It's essentially a process that spans the, the, the entire software delivery lifecycle. You know, from the second you start, you know, it's not as if you say, oh, we have this amazing CI/CD pipeline that a developer commits uh, their code, and then we have something that pulls it from the source code repository, composite, prepares the artifact, and then we want to take it to production. We have our DevOps, our SRE team come in and manually copy-paste artifacts you know, into production nodes, right? You'll be like, somebody told you that, I'll be like scratching your head said, really? Right? So CI/CD is a process that encompasses the entire software delivery lifecycle. So the second the developer fingertips hit commit all the way to it successfully, hopefully serving customers in production. The same is true for CR. You want to validate, you still want to start validating the code as early as possible. Now, some things, cannot be detected until that code gets to production because it's only production that certain circumstances and environments and, and, and environmental conditions exist that will manifest a code uh, into breaking. So you want to be there as well. So everything, you want to start catching things as soon as you can, but you want to do it across the entire delivery lifecycle. For produ- in production, for example, you may say, okay, we have this new release. We're now going to deliver it. We're now going to deploy it immediately to 100% of our users of the user state, which is, again, a monolithic drop. We're going to gradually going to deploy it to 10%, automatically CR it, see that it's working well, valid. If so, another region, another region. So even that is a pipeline progression where the code moves and is evaluated 
for correctness and validation because something may work in one region, but in a different region, you know, users or other applications or other services you're interacting with behave differently and they may cause your code to break. So you really want, as kind of like what you said, you never want to have this big monolithic drop. We're dropping a new release, you know, it's hell or high water. For the next three days, we either, you know, we either fly or die. You want to break that process into these small chunks so that users are never aware of it. And if something bad happens, you have the ability to re- prevent, to respond, to resolve, to remediate before business and users and anyone essentially is negatively impacted. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes makes total sense. And again, you know, these things are all, um, you know, kind of new concepts for people. It's, uh, you know, if if you're in certain parts of technology, it's it's kind of kind of like an A-B test or it's sort of a canary deployment. But, you know, being able to do that and then have not, not just do the deployment, but have the feedback mechanisms be able to to roll out, you know, rolled back to changes. It, there really is kind of a broader set of things that are needed more than just, um, you know, we did a, a blue-green deployment or a canary deployment or something. And, and I think that's kind of the, the space that you're really helping to define. Yeah, for sure. Because the, the tr- all we do essentially, you know, when we look at technology, we, we always iterate, even the cloud, right? Essentially, it's an evolution of the data center. It's not as if, you know, Amazon was the first one to connect, you know, servers into the internet and make them available for other users, right? So these are all evolutions. So if we look at like a Canary or an AB build, right, it's a concept that you all traditionally know. Challenge is, all right, I'm going to deliver this. I have, let's say, I've got a thousand nodes in production. I'm going to pre- I'm going to deploy that to 50 and then to 250 and then to 1,000. But how do, and I'm going to do that every day because every day another team is deploying. We have a larger state. We have multiple teams. But now they may be deploying something that's trivial or they may be, um, you know, doing a full-blown feature release. The question is, how do they validate it? Because the challenge with traditional A-B canary testing, et cetera, is that the validation is still, is still 100% manual. And that is really what you want to change. We want to, in the same way that we've automated, you know, that we, that we as an industry have automated the process of integrating, like compiling, you know, taking all the artifacts, creating a, um, an, an, a physical application artifact, and then automated the process of delivering. So getting that out, we use Kubernetes nowadays and containers and all that goodness. The next step is also to automate the process of knowing whether or not it was good, it was, um, it was reliable. And keyword is automating. It's not we're going to do the entire chain fully automatic, and then when it comes to act time to actually know whether or not this thing is working, oh, that's where we hit the log faults and we just skim through them and we essentially we just cross our fingers and pray that nothing bad happens. So essentially, the goal is to automate the entire life cycle to create this feedback loop from the moment the developer, from the moment the developer hits commit to it going into production. If there's any hiccups along the way, getting that back to them before essentially it gets to the users. Gotcha, gotcha. Makes sense, makes sense. You know, as as people start to learn more about uh, CR, they start to learn about just kind of the, the broader interaction with CI and CD, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of different things emerge. We've seen, you know, DevOps, we've seen SRE, we've seen some some more advanced tooling around this. Um, you know, as you've been working with different companies uh, in this space for the last couple of years, have you found that, 
that any some, certain aspects tend to help more than others? Uh, you know, is it a combination of the right tools with the right organization, or you know, what what, what types of things have you found have been maybe more successful than than others? Yeah, uh, I, I've definitely seen the, the whole gamut. You know, in terms of DevOps, SRE, tooling, log analytics, APM. I would say, you know, the overall trend that, that we're seeing in the industry, and I'll also answer the question is what has been, in my mind, the real game changers for companies that are doing real well, is, you know, we had, up until like 10 years ago, we had like IT ops, right? And then we had developers, and completely siloed, a completely different person. IT ops was very hardware-centric, right? They managed the data center. And, and then and the network and the infrastructure and storage. Right? And then we had developers and there was a huge dividing line between the two. And then as the cloud came in and compute started becoming software, right? The, the way by which you interact with Amazon or Azure or the GCP, right? It's not by telling it like, I want, you know, more of this hardware made by Dell and more of these racks made by EMC. There's no such interface. You send an API command to them, it's all software, saying them, I need X amount of storage. And behind the scene, they abstract it too. So as a result of that, you saw this bigger push towards DevOps, where us people suddenly kind of, kind, of, kind of start seeing, hey, the world is moving more towards software. And they started becoming, the ops people become, started becoming uh more dev aware and and maybe a bit more dev centric. I think the next evolution that came into that was the SRE, where the developers themselves started getting into ops, and uh, and and you saw these two worlds merging. And to your question, the companies that we've seen that have the big game changer, it's never like a tool. It's never like oh we we now have this API version like twelve point five. And now we're crushing it. The more, what we've seen to be the real game changer was the more developers essentially stepped into the front lines, the more they became production aware, the more they became coding their applications to be production aware, the more everything was designed from the standpoint of, oh, I'm just going to write this piece of code and I'm just going to push it. And you know, three months from now, if something bad happens to the customer, we're going to hear about it. The more the mindset became, I write this code, I own this code, and I'm instrumenting and I'm thinking about the code from a standpoint of how will I be supporting it in production, and that is really the SRE movement, um, that is where we've seen companies have the most success. It's not so much of like there's a silver bullet out there as much as the more developers are um, you know, front and center on the front line. That's where, that's where we've seen the more success. And the way we build overall specifically from our standpoint, it's all about empowering the developers. So when something bad happens anywhere across that delivery life cycle, they have the information that they need, not necessarily the information that a traditional IT ops person needs, but the information that they need to understand what broke their code in that specific region, in that specific instance, while targeting a specific microservice. Because those are the challenges that they need to deal with. And be it with overops or with any other tooling, the more that mindset exists, the more that SRE thing is happening, the more we see companies being able to stay nimble, agile, and really kind of succeed in the market. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And I think it, you know, it really does highlight that 
you know, what we're doing is we're, we're breaking down a lot of the the kind of previous barriers of, you know, write the code independently, uh, have a big, uh, you know, event to, to, to hand it off to operations and security and then kind of get out of the way. There, there really needs to be, you know, kind of much more bridges built between the application team, people that understand the application, you know, getting things into production more frequently. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a bunch of steps. Like you said, it's not, it's not one silver bullet. Um, I'm going to kind of wrap up with, with one last question for you and then we'll, we'll let you go. Um, you know, as you've as you've worked with a lot of companies on this and, and you've seen learnings, any tips for uh, you know companies that are uh, you know kind of beginning to go through this process and uh, some things they can learn or things they can avoid uh, you know to, to kind of begin to be more successful at you know combining CI and CD with with CR. Yeah, so I think it all starts. You know, for example, if if we take if we take an analogy from the world of like information security, right? All professional developers know that, you know, they have to write their code in a secure manner, right? It's not like, oh, I'm not going to put any attention to how I write my code and the firewall is going to take care of it, right? Because that would be the tradition like, you know, okay, I'm the dev. I, I don't, I'm, sec- I'm not a security person. I'm not an infosec person. I'm just going to throw the code artifact over to them and the firewall will take care of it, right? And because we're pretty mature and the world of inf- information security is pretty you know, advanced nowadays with cybersecurity and threats, people were looking at you and say, uh, no. The same holds true for any company who wants to move into, um, into CI and CD and CR. Developers need to essentially to think about how am I going to understand how, what information would I need in order to understand when something uh, bad happens? How will this, how will my code interface uh, with the tooling. Uh, what tooling do we have in place? Meaning, in the company, when I write this code, like, and something bad happens, does the company even have the right tooling in place to help me if something bad happens? It's critical that that production awareness, and, the, and, and especially as from the developer mindset, is something that is ingrained into the DNA of the company. So in practical terms, that even means when you're hiring developers, it's no longer should be just about, okay, are you super smart and can you write an algorithm? You know, it's, it's also like how production, how operationally aware um, are you? You know, those are things that the more the companies focus on, the more they ingrain into their culture, the more it's going to be easy for them to break up those models and kind of get into that uh new world that we're all trying to cross that bridge and get to. Yeah. No, it makes makes a ton of sense. And again, it, it it's this just this recurring theme, this recurring concept of um, you know, it's it's no longer a standalone activity, right? It's a continuous activity that you've you've got to make sure that you can not only be responsive to to the business needs, to what your users are, how they're interacting, but then be able to make changes to it as as you move along. Tal, thank you so much for the time today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Great to sort of learn more about uh, continuous reliability. Uh, folks, you know, as, as always, uh, there are a number of things in the show notes to help you look at follow-up about, you know, how to reach out to Tal, how to reach out to, to OverOps and so forth. So with that, uh, again, Tal, thank you so much for the time today. Folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Thank you for telling a friend about it and helping us grow the community. And thank you for giving us feedback and ratings on iTunes and other places you get your podcasts. So with that, we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 